Hello, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Find A Way Podcast with Dusty. This one sounds a little bit different because I am on my treadmill. Currently at a uh, 15 incline 2.0 speed, so not too fast. Uh, but the incline is there to get my heart rate up. Heart rate is currently 115. I usually like to keep it between 120 and 130. So if you hear the belt and I need to take a couple extra breaths, <laughs> You know why, uh, but we gotta find a way to do a podcast. It's been a week, it's been too long. We got stuff to discuss, but it's been a crazy week. A lot of sleep regression with our three month old. My wife is fighting the good fight. I'm helping where I can, but I can only do so much with what I can do. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, so I got an interesting message recently and I, it was, one that I had to think about. I, I couldn't rattle off like I usually am able to just kind of rattle off items. As an example, um, the question was about how do you identify the transfer of addiction and how do you address it? And it kind of goes to the core of me kind of thinking a little bit about when my transfer of addiction happened with food addiction how I overcame it and touched on it a little bit, but I think this is a good one to really identify <clears throat> what addiction transfers look like, what the feelings are, and some things that maybe I've identified with myself that have helped along the journey. Um, you know, addiction can come in many forms. I think the very easy one is drugs and alcohol, but Shopping can be an addiction, online shopping, um, QVC. Um, shopping in general can be very addictive. Gambling is another example. Smoking, drugs, alcohol. Something that is used as a cope when something isn't going right. Now, a lot of this has to do with honesty with what we rely upon during moments of coping. And if it's something that it isn't healthy for us, how, how do you fix it? How do you work through it? Um, working out, going to the gym can be an addiction. And it's like, oh, well, because you're working out, it's, uh, it's fine. Working out too much, working out or going to the gym and having that addiction connected to it can actually be very unhealthy because there won't be much rest. There won't be much care and concern. It's just the super intensity. It's approaching everything with David Goggins mentality and it's like, well, hold on. That, that, that's just not the way to approach things, especially for a long-term, healthy, sustainable approach to the journey. So if you've got food addiction now, this is the thing to prepare for. It's going to likely transfer to something. It's not like, it's not something that you're like with the diet, with the exercise, it's not just going to be addressed, but it's going to transfer at some point. And you've got to give the you got to give it time, and I know that's such easy statements, but 
it's almost like you've got to give this gray area where I'm doing better, I've lost some weight, I'm on a diet or I'm on an exercise program, I'm on a lifestyle change, but I still have some residual problems that I'm carrying over. And being okay with that, it, it's kind of a weird mentality that I've still got a major ailment that I need to work through in my coping mechanism, in my mentality. And though I'm doing good on the diet, the exercise program, I may not be able to sustain what I'm doing long term because not everything with the mentality, the coping mechanism, the food addiction is being addressed right away. And so that transfer of addiction, looking out for it because identifying it and working through it over the years and years that you're going to be on this journey, it's going to take commitment, but it's going to take a lot of uh, support and honesty. So I'll kind of run through a little bit of mine. I know that I immediately transferred addiction to shopping. And... That transfer happened pretty quickly because I was losing weight. I was fitting in clothes I hadn't fit in before or stuff that was in my closet that stopped fitting when I crossed over 500 pounds started fitting again. So I knew that I couldn't in times that were tough and emotional times, I couldn't dive into food and I couldn't use that. So I found something else that when I was uncomfortable, it provided this release. And if we want to go chemically, dopamine. It's this dopamine feel-good release, which I've spent an episode talking about, this dopamine release. Well, with mine, went to shopping. Now, it was, hey, I need shoes for certain things. I need different types of shirts, sweaters. Um, I need shorts, I need gym shorts, and started building this closet to where there came a moment in that particular transfer that I was like, I have too many clothes. And so you can see kind of where the, the rubber meets the road. I can't satisfy or cope with food, and it's very evident to me that I can't buy any more clothes. Like, I, I, I just, I can't, there's, I already have that. Like, I already have a shirt. I already have a dress shirt. I, I don't need 15 dress shirts. I think, you know, clearance shopping, especially thrift store shopping, things are three or four bucks. It's not like it was immediately breaking the bank, but I remember multiple times having this kind of, and I've talked about mourning, and uh, sadness, but I had this sadness connected with my food addiction and with my shopping addiction that was transferred from my food addiction. I was sad and almost depressed because I no longer saw an outlet. I no longer saw a coping avenue. And so... It's like every, every single time I went to a different, like, so I transferred to the shopping addiction, but then also 
I can transfer back to food addiction, but in a different way. I can be overly particular about certain items and I can be hyper-focused and hyper-obsessed about, oh wow, I found this um, zero carb item. Carbs are the enemy. I, I can't have a carb. I, I'll make jokes and memes and I'll do videos that will encourage, don't touch carbs, they're the evil macro that I never learned about. And I almost became obsessed with that. And that, uh, it's almost like it went back and forth. My food addiction and my shopping, like it went back and forth of hyper-focused here. And then I would get comments of like, hey, carbs are not the enemy. You know, you need to incorporate them for a long term. And there was some truth to it. So maybe that was giving me a gap of time to then transfer it back over to shopping. And maybe I was having both now and a little bit of both. And it was kind of helping that gap. And I think it's important to identify and realize that when times are tough, when it's an emotional time, when it's stressful moment, that gap that we fill, that has to be filled. And white knuckling through that feeling doesn't make it go away. It just builds its strength of, okay, I've got to cope with something. I've got to release. I've got to have a release. We talk about release. A lot of times with those, and I had a lot of folks in high school that struggled with cutting, cutting their wrists, and I, um, I'd actually talking to, I actually talked to somebody that was a recovering cutter, and they said there was just so much enjoyment because though it hurt, it, it felt like a release, and something just felt better. And obviously they were hurting themselves, they were moving themselves towards being suicidal. And so it wasn't a good release. It wasn't a release that was beneficial for them whatsoever, but they identified that it brings a release. And so in food, in shopping, in drugs, alcohol, gambling, working out, if it provides this release that you can't operate, your mood changes, your attitude changes, your demeanor, your emotions change because you're not able to cope with this certain thing, that's where first therapy and counseling is the number one option to learn how to reroute those processes in place. So I've talked about the box breathing technique. I've talked about going for a walk and I was hesitant talking about the gym because exercise can be a very good form of kind of that release, but you've got to be very careful to identify with yourself the hyper obsessiveness that comes with going to the gym. You see folks that go to CrossFit and then how committed and dedicated they are to CrossFit 
to where even during injuries, they'll continue to push through and not give themselves the proper rest. There's obviously a release that's needed and there's an emotion that's triggered when that, um, that release doesn't happen. So identifying it is something that we all will take a task and, and do, but you know, what's the solution? I, I gave one as far as therapy and counseling. Another one is support for your spouse, from your family, talking things out. And think about a therapist. They are directing the conversation towards what you should get out. And all, I mean, I'm not sure all the times, but think about what, what's happening. You're talking, you're releasing your thoughts, and they're helping organize and provide some reflection to you. And it's not to say a friend or a spouse is gonna be trained to ask the right questions, but you can start with that release of information and have someone to reflect upon how you're feeling. So I would imagine you had a stressful day at work and you immediately know that you go to fast food and you load up on fast food. There's easy tips as far as like taking a different way home, but that's not gonna work all the time. We're probably gonna go into our automated process and take that way home without realizing at one time. And then we're faced with that temptation of what we always do after work, that when we're stressed, we dive into that food. Or we're stressed at work and during our lunch break, we just need a release. We just need to feel better. And diving into that meal is gonna bring that release. It's not to say you can't have a good meal, but you've gotta, you've gotta identify the vices, that the, the things that are crippling you and your potential, crippling your future, and, crippling what your goal is. And if that's to lose the weight and keep it off, holding on to those coping mechanisms isn't going to make it any easier or possibly even possible if you keep those. And so therapy, you're talking it out with a loved one, spouse, utilizing exercise in a way that isn't obsessive, going for a walk, build, getting a hobby, um, I would imagine that something that has been not as stressful for a lot is something like knitting. Okay, so like a hobby as in something that keeps you active and participating in. So a hobby for some may be knitting. A hobby for some may be joining a club nearby or an online Facebook group. Or You've got to be able to work through the addiction, work through the transfer of addiction, but you've got to be patient in letting what was normal before that got you to your top weight be not normal now that if you go do it. So if you are not used to taking a walk during lunch, or if you are not used to pre-planning your lunch, or Say, for instance, you want to have a really good lunch and you're always planning on it. How many calories are in that lunch? Pre-planning your meal so that way you're not 
over on your calorie allotment for the day that you're staying your, your calorie deficit if you want to lose weight, but then you're having a really good meal. It's not that I don't have, like my coping mechanism, I mean, I identified when we potentially had some problems with my son, first couple months of pregnancy. Very easy for me to settle into old habits, even though I had been doing this for six years. Easy for me to settle into old habits because it was overly a stressful time. We're in a new place. It's just, I think I was going through, not turmoil at work, but a lot of uh, friction. And so I just knew that it's easy to just sit there and just kind of wallow in what I'm going through. And oftentimes that is paired with an endless amount of food. And no one can say it's a binge because a binge is like you're gouging down 3,000 calories in 30 minutes. For me, it's, I sat and didn't want to go anywhere, didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to sit and wallow. And what kind of got me out of that sitting and wallowing was staying active. Um, but honestly, I think it was a right, a right around that time and potential segue, segue into a lot of the running events that you've seen me do and a lot of activity. I really enjoy that competitive race and the race morning and signing up and meeting other runners. And it was right around that time that it was very difficult and we were going through quite a bit that my wife and I planned a little bit more trips. Something to keep our mind off of kind of what we were going through. And in the midst of that, I started picking up these races and it was something that I started really enjoying and it became a release for me. To say that you need to condition yourself not to have a release and you need to <clears throat> build up this strength or you don't need a release and you know eventually I'm going to get to a point where I don't need to cope with anything because I'm so strong. But when you sit before a therapist or a counselor and you talk about what's going on, what are you doing? You're releasing. The release is going to be there. The dopamine hit is something naturally that occurs in our body. It's just moving that hit to something that encourages and invigorates your journey and doesn't set you back and cripple you. If you're feeling overwhelmed, emotional, and you just wanna sit and wallow, you've gotta find a release that helps push you forward and not hold you back. And that could be getting into running, cycling, could be joining a local CrossFit, again, being observance of the potential obsessiveness. And I had to realize that with myself. And honestly, I kind of came to a, a moment of overcoming towards the tail end of last year in that I enjoyed the races. It's like, man, I, I really enjoy this. I want to do one every weekend. You can see kind of where the hyper obsessiveness was starting to settle in and in that transfer of, of release, you know, of that cope, of that addiction release, which is still something I, I, I mean, I've worked through 30 years and 
still battling today. Made a lot of strides forward, but we're still working through mental processes. So as the tail end of the year comes, there's actually not a lot of races because of the weather. So now I'm forced into a position where I can't use that as a release. I, can, I can't use a race or participating in a race as a release because there's not much going on. It was one, maybe once a month. And so it went into a lot of, okay, I'm really enjoying the race, but I can't use that as a release. But I can train and work out and get ready for my next race. And I think that's kind of where I'm at now, that I really enjoy the challenge and the training and the prep preparedness. But also I feel like I get a release out of these events because it's just enjoying to gather together with others, possibly set a personal record go after goals, but also see others that are in my same similar situation and collectively working this distance out at whatever times that we're finishing. And you know, that kind of goes in hand in hand with, you know, the group and celebrating others on the journey. A lot of what Instagram is when I meet, interact and chat with some great people, including honestly, if you listen to this podcast, I think we've hopefully chatted via DMs back and forth at some point. I cherish that connection that I wouldn't have gotten if I didn't start sharing my journey online. That there are folks that just genuinely want to support me, but also I in turn can help support them. And I just really value a lot of the connections and friendships that I've built through sharing my journey through Instagram. And that kind of goes hand in hand with that collective community. Honestly, uh, I would dare say that part of me overcoming was sharing my journey online and connecting with so many, so many others similar to my journey and using that as encouragement to continue to keep going, but also utilize them as support for you know what i'm doing is helping what i'm doing is inspiring and motivating i gotta keep doing it i gotta keep pushing because you never know who it might help and you know last night i got a message of somebody at the age i think they were 49 years old i could be mistaken but essentially the family had told him again and again we've got to prioritize you got to prioritize your weight it's getting in the way we're worried about you and uh looks like he just recently passed and it provided reflection for this person that sent me the message that i'm so grateful that i'm working on my health because i the family that he leaves behind is devastated and i don't want to do that so I get interactions and messages like that that make me think, hey, that one person listening to this or watching the next video, even though some of them are memes and funny, which keeps the journey a good mix, but um, that they're encouraged. It's like almost I'm able to get a release from sharing because 
I've had many say that it helps. And so for those of you following along the journey and communicating back and forth, you're part of this journey of me overcoming is connected to you. So thank you for that. Even though if you're a, a listener that we've never interacted with, it, um, it encourages me to keep going and keep sharing because I see the evidence of it helping. So I uh, hope this treadmill podcast episode was useful. We're finding a way in the midst of an incline to talk, which I think you actually burn more calories talking and walking because this is, uh, this is a good one. This is uh, heart rate's up to 125, so we're doing something right here. But thanks for tuning into this episode, and I'll talk to you in the next one. Take care.